Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Nurse Mama Show, the home of happy parents and healthy teens on American Family Radio. Here's your host, Dr. Jessica Peck. Hello, and welcome back to the Dr. Nurse Mama podcast. I am your host, Jessica Peck. I'm a professor, pediatric nurse practitioner, author, and mom of four. Today, I have a feel-good episode for you. I know on this show, a lot of times we talk about really heavy things, and today we're going to go on to the lighter, more encouraging side of the everyday trials that we all face as parents. So today's guest is Casey Hilty. Now, Casey, has a new book coming out called Her Children Arise. And Casey actually caught my eye a long time ago with her artistry. She is a gifted artist. And if you're watching the video of this, you'll see the wall behind her that she actually painted during COVID. The cover of her book is equally beautiful and all of the artwork that she gives. And Casey, we are so glad to have you on today. Thank you so much for having me. It's a joy to be here. Well, you were you grew up in Louisiana and you're a mom and I have to just say from the beginning one of the quotes in your book which I have had the immense pleasure of reading an advanced copy it made me crack up laughing like I laughed out loud and you said that you have recently seen a meme that said Eve would not have eaten the apple she would have eaten the snake. <laughs> <laughs> if she was from Louisiana, which just we made me a laugh. lot of really weird things here, <laughs> and they are all so good. We love our food here, and we are not afraid afraid to try anything. <laughs> well, I love it. As a Texas girl, I, I I have a very immense value for food. My husband actually lived in Pennsylvania and moved here to Texas, and you know, in Houston, everything's very flat and very brown. And he said, I don't understand. I said, just wait till you try the food, honey. Just, just wait till you try the food. Make the food. That's what keeps up here. <laughs> well, we digress. Casey, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and your writing journey and how you arrived at this moment of putting this book out into the world? Sure. Um, so I'm Casey Hilty. I am a mom of three and also a host mom to a Haitian student who plays soccer. Um, she comes home on holidays and my kids are now 16 and driving. And then I have a 13 year old and my 11 year old girl is about to enter middle school. So we're in that middle school, high school phase is some people call it the sweet spot because there's a lot of independence as parents, but then there's a lot of really scary things as our kids are experiencing the world more and more without us right by their side. Um, so I'm also a school teacher. I teach in a three to five charter school and I teach public um, speaking, public speaking and uh, performance art and interpersonal communication, how we communicate with each other. And I'm a writer and speaker and artist. As you can, those of you who can see my background, we moved into the house two weeks after lockdown and I had a paintbrush and that's what I was able to use to decorate my house with. <laughs> 
Well, I think that worked out very, very well. And, you know, I really identify with what you're calling the sweet spot. I called it the golden age of parenting when, you know, it was kind of everybody was pottying on their own and nobody was partying, you know, like they're not out of the house yet where you start to worry about those kinds of things and independence and those, those things. But every stage is so great. And, you know, Casey, when you're talking about your house, there is a story that you tell in your book about a house that you moved into that God just really orchestrated some miraculous circumstances and something that you thought like, you know, was going to go one way. It went a completely different way. I would love for you to share that story. When we were moving to this area of Louisiana, I honestly, I had never been here before to this part. My husband called me one day. He was like, where is this city? I'm like, I have no idea. Um, But then we found out it was in a part of the state that we had already fallen in love with and could see our family living here. So we're back and forth. He started his job. I'm still in Baton Rouge with the kids. And we are back and forth every weekend trying to find a home. And we found this home that looked great. We liked it, but we hadn't sold our other home yet. So that's on the market. We're still trying to sell it. And um, we're back and forth. We visited that house three times. And finally, Um, our house went up for sale and we could now, we were now under contract um, and we could go and put a bid on that house. But my agent was like, let's first, there's a new house that just came up and I want to show it to you. And we walked into the house and it smelled of smoke. It was not my dream house, but it was on beautiful property and an amazing location. Um, But God's peace was overwhelming we immediately looked at each other and said, we're supposed to live here. It wasn't, I, I wouldn't have looked at the pictures online and fallen in love with it. Um, but we immediately felt God is supposed to bring us here. And so I said, okay, let's just, we're going to bid on this house. This is the house we're going to bid in, but I want to see that other house one more time. And we go to that other house and the foundation is literally cracked. The front porch is falling off of that front porch um, of uh, detaching from the house. There are cracks going all the way up the walls. They had masked it. And now all the foundation issues were being revealed months later. If it hadn't been for that time of waiting, we would not have known the cracks that were present in that foundation. And so when God gave us peace in this house that we probably wouldn't have um, put a bid in if we hadn't felt his overwhelming peace, uh, we would have ended up with a house that had major, major issues. Um, So we are so grateful for that house. Uh, This house was actually a new house and it was another God story. It is down the road from our kids' school and it um, opened up right before COVID and we bid on it. And our other house sold within 24 hours. So we were able to put a bid on this house. And it has been the growth that our family needed. Just a little bit extra space. And God opened that. We weren't even planning on moving. It just fell in our lap. <laughs> so it's when, when you put your faith and your trust in God, you're going to know um, when he's speaking to you and when he's opening doors and when he's leading you, because it is going to come in a way that you were not expecting at all, not planning for. And oh, okay, yeah, that is him. All right, we're going to step this way. 
Well, you know, Casey, I relate to that story on so many levels. And I think back to our own journey of moving with me and my family. And we had a similar experience where we were selling right as the housing market was bottoming out. This was about a little more than a decade ago. And we really felt like God had led us to this particular house. And we, but it it just wouldn't go through, you know, our sales kept falling through. And one night we just decided to come over to the new house that we thought we wanted. And we just were going to pray over it. And we asked for the key to walk into it. And as we walked in on the dining room wall, there was blazed in light on the wall, an image of an ichthys, a fish, you know, like that was drawn in ancient society to indicate your faith. And we have never seen that fish since. We only saw it that day. It has never showed up. I don't know how it did, but we just knew that God cares about so many, just the little things and the big things. And it reminds me of Psalm 8411, the Lord God is a sun and a shield. He gives grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And so even that house with the cracked foundation, you couldn't see, God could see that. And you thought it was a good thing, but God knew it wasn't. And there is such a peace in walking in that kind of trust. And so to my listeners out there, I want to tell you that this story is just one of many that you will read in this book, Her Children Arise, because Casey keeps it real. And just, I love how you weave in those stories of everyday life and how they inform your faith. Now, one other story that you have in the book um, is so relatable to me, um, maybe or maybe not even this week, I, I, I don't know, but uh, crying in your closet. <laughs> when things aren't going right. Like what mom out there can't relate to a moment where you just go sit on the floor of your closet and cry. And I think, you know, you also shared uh, the realities of faith training and how we have as parents, like everyone should sit at the table with all of our hands folded and we're all dressed nicely. And we have some classical music playing in the background and everyone's engaged and that's just not real life. So Casey, can you speak to some of the realities of motherhood as you talk about in Her Children Arise? So I'm a teacher. So it is my natural gifting to create little lessons and activities. And this is how I'm going to teach this particular part of the Bible. And I actually had a friend one day who was like, can you just give me like a Sunday school book for dummies? And I'm like, that yes, I could. However, more what I've learned is that more is caught than taught. So we can sit down, we can try to have this lesson that we've planned out and we've prepared and we've done all the little arts and crafts and prepared all of that. But when I do that with my kids, I have two boys and a girl. And we have trying to fix the echo. I'm sorry. Um, um, so I have two boys and a girl and we would sit down at the table. I'm trying to plan this one thing. And one kid starts snickering and starts laughing. And then the other one's kicking the other one under the, the table. And then one will start beatboxing and then everybody gets in and everybody's going and doing the beat. And I'm just like, this is just so lost over everybody's heads right now. Um, and it just, it never is that peaceful moment, but I will tell you, that anytime we have, you know, I like to put different illustrations to it and stuff. There have been times where they're referencing back to that. I'm like, hold up, you are listening. 
you got anything from that because I didn't think you did. Uh, but in reality, when we sit down and plan something, it's not going to go as planned. And my husband and I, we call it, if this part is not in the book, so this is bonus. We call it the rule of two thirds. We have three kids. Only two of them are ever cooperative at one time. There's always the, the last third that is just not either they're in a bad mood or they're being antagonistic or they're just not wanting to do what you want them to do. So the rule of two thirds, it is everything. It is on vacation. It is on <laughs> the day to day. It is through chores. And so the reality of us sitting down and being able to teach a Sunday school lesson for kids is not realistic. What is realistic is a mom with the Bible on her knee with it open, us being able to pass a legacy of faith because they are seeing what God is, what God's role is in their parents' lives. When they are able to see that and see how God is a major player in their parents' life, that's when a child is able to see him through their parents' eyes. So it comes down to us having our Bibles on our knee. We cannot effectively teach our faith or pass down our faith if we are not digging into God's word, if we are not growing in our faith, if we are not repenting in our sins, if we are not um, living out God's word, then our kids are going to see all of the Sunday school for dummies as fluff. They're not going to understand the connection it makes to our everyday lives. So conversations that we have, prayers that we pray, um, reading scripture, our kids seeing us reading scripture, and us prioritizing Christ and keeping Christ not just at the center of our hearts, but at the center of our homes, our marriage, our parenting. That is when our kids are opened up to who Jesus Christ actually is. There was so much goodness in everything that you just said. I always say faith is caught. It isn't taught. It, they Kids do what we do so much more than what we say. And so just modeling those behaviors is so powerful. And I find it so encouraging because that's doable. You know, that's realistic. And if my goal is to model those behaviors, well, that's a goal I can reach rather than my goal is that, oh, my children all participate and engage and you know everything goes perfectly because life doesn't go perfectly. That was so good. I also talk about how uh, I love what you said, the rule of two thirds with your kids. And I think about our roles as parents. I always say you can be a good parent. You can be a good spouse. You can be a good cook. You can be a good housekeeper, you can be in a good employee, but on any given day, you can usually only pick two of those to excel at. And so it's constantly Absolutely. a juggling act, right? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. One of the things that you make time for and space for though, that I wanted to talk about was prayer. I think prayer is so important and such an underutilized spiritual discipline and resource that we have. And you give instructions and specific ideas for creating a physical prayer space in your home. So tell us about that. This was especially important when my kids were younger and like just decorating a space in a closet or a corner of the house where you have cushions and pillows, um, always have a basket of not just your Bible, but colored pencils and um, crayons, empty journals that 
the kids because kids are going to connect to God through doing things. We connect to God through doing things. And so if we're putting on some worship music, letting them doodle, um, creating that space for them to be able to do that and easy access uh, materials that they're able to quickly go get. And you're not going to be worried about if they're doing that independently, um, that they're coloring on the wall or something <laughs> like that. But, uh, Cause that, that's a legit fear. Um, but, but when just giving them that space, like this is what you can do here. And this is the paper you can do it on. And you turn on some worship music and then you give them that space to create, connect with the music. Um, maybe you're reading scripture. Maybe they just see you with the Bible open. Um, and they're doing this while you're having your quiet time. But that space is just an important space because it gives you, it, it also gives your kids a place to, when they're having a hard time, just go to that space. Um, and I think that's an important piece to instill in our home. And also it just gives everybody a safe spot. Now, my kids are at the age now where um, they we don't necessarily have one spot. Where do you feel most comfortable in the house? So it can be everybody picks their own individual spot. Um, everybody in my house has their go-to when they're having a hard time. Um, and that's the place where they're really going to connect with God. Well, and it's also a visual reminder, I think, you know, as you're going about your day, you can see that space and it's a visual prompt to pray. And you know, so often our prayers can just be so spontaneous. We think we have to have this designated specific time with a holy posture, but it's just so conversational. And I, I love that. And, you know, I'm, I'm a nurse and I'm a mom of four. So I love practical application. I threaded those all throughout my book behind closed doors. And that's one of the things that I was just so happy to see in yours was something that we can do as parents, you know, give us an activity, give us something that we can do together. And one of the tools that you have in your book is called faith at home. And you give a lot of really creative suggestions of activities to do together to, for faith builders to build your faith at home. So what are some of your favorite of those activities? What, what are the ones that stand out to you the most? My favorite favorite is actually outside of the home, but it's when everybody piles into the car and you go and you pray over things that you pass by. So maybe you go to a friend's house and you just park in front of their house for a minute and you pray for their family. Or maybe you go to your school's parking lot and you pray over the school. Um, Sometimes if it's a friend and you're, you have a great relationship with the family, you can bring chalk and then chalk their, their sidewalk and say, we prayed for you today. Um, that's one of my favorites. Um, I love little things with little kids where you can play telephone and pass verses or, or biblical truths and you you pass it from one to the other and see how it's distorted and everybody can laugh over how we didn't get it exactly right at the end, but then um, we're able to practice it again. There's so many of those. Uh, I have 20 different ones all throughout the book. Um, my One of my favorites also is the gift exchange where you put all the names of your family members in a hat or something and you pull their names out and it's like a secret Santa. You go and you have to make them something. So it's not finding you know a book on your shelf and wrapping it and giving it to them, but you allow your kids to 
create something and they have to wrap it and they have to present it to that person that's on their list. Um, And so it talks about giving, um, how special it is for a gift. Um, So my book is called Her Children Arise and the tagline is passing a legacy of faith to the next generation. If you look all over my home, um, both of my parents have passed away, my grandparents and, and everything. So we have relics of my family from generations and generations, everything that's been passed down to me. We have a a side table that was my great-grandmother's. We have a painting that was another great-grandmother's. We have um, my mom's diamond ring. We have um, so many different things. And so this idea of what we pass from generation to generation, obviously you see that a lot in the Old Testament, right? Legacy, inheritance, that was a huge thing. It meant um, it was about land and property and um, and family and the generational ties, and that was all tied to their faith. And so, um, but now we have the legacy of Jesus Christ that we carry, um, and we're promised for it to to be transported and uh, for generations, generations and generations. And so, um, I like to do what's called a museum tour where you go and you talk about all the different things in your home that have been passed down um, and and talk about the history of that and what that legacy is. So little things like that where kids can make connections on what is being passed down from my family. Um, what, uh, what, tell me a little bit about my history, my the people that came before us. And that gives us the idea of, Then there's people in the Bible who came before us, and they are our great, 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 greats in faith. And so these are people who have passed down their legacies of faith to us. Um, And then there's several different things about creating self-portraits or looking in the mirror and labeling, using a dry erase marker to label around the mirror, all of the truths. And you always first ask, okay, Um, your child, what do you know about yourself? What can you describe about yourself? And then you start talking about how you see them. And more often how a parent sees their child is going to be aligned with how God sees them. And so passing that truth to them and hearing them speak those words and write them around their beautiful faces on the mirror, or maybe doing chalk outlines in the driveway or or, or sketches or however you want to do it. There's lots of different options you have um, in the book. I give different options of what works best for your family. You adapt it for you and your age and stage of parenting. Um, but these little truths, these little nuggets that our kids are hearing, we don't speak them over them enough. And this is just that prompt to do so. Those are all so encouraging. And, you know, you really can't underestimate the positive impact and the legacy that you're building. I think about in Deuteronomy, where we're instructed to talk about these things as we walk along the road. And it's just a beautiful way to integrate those things into everyday life. And I'll tell you, Casey, as I was reading this, I loved the museum tour. Now, that's probably because I love history and I love museums. And I do have one kid that really does not like museums, but that's a 
okay. We're working on that. But I thought, what a great uh, activity to do with their grandparents because grandparents, Mm -hmm. a lot of times have something that parents don't and that's time, but to walk through their house in a different way and to give a museum tour, like how fun would that be? I think my in-laws would be absolutely thrilled to do that. So if you're listening, guys, uh, I'm coming over, I'm dropping off the kids for a museum tour. I love that. And really, Casey, this book is a beautiful compilation where you have studied women in the Old Testament, women who, you know, named Hagar and Tamar and Bathsheba and thinking, what would these women have to teach us in our, in our modern life? But it's so amazing how relatable some of their problems are, some of their hard struggles. Obviously, the social and cultural dynamic is different, but mm-hmm. so much of their their pain and their struggle is the same. And so you go through and you give devotionals and you unpack the lives of these women. So I want to ask you, which character did you find the most interesting and compelling to write about? That might be hard. might be like picking your favorite child, but which one was the, the most dynamic to you? Um, I loved unpacking Jacobin. Moses's mom, and the book opens with her. There are several reasons. Um, one, she had to put her child in the Nile River. Now, I grew up at the end of the Mississippi River in New Orleans, and the Nile River is tremendously bigger than that. And I just, the idea of having to put my baby in the Nile River, first of all, but we do that every day as parents. We put our children into the Nile River where they're, we have a new driver going, driving himself to school now, um, whether it's our kids jumping into school for the very first time. That's a big Nile River moment for us where all of a sudden they're not under our daily minute-by-minute care and we're passing them off into the world it's a Nile River moment. And so we experience that on the daily. Not just that, but um, we don't learn Jacobed's name, Moses's mom. We don't know her name until I think it's the third chapter. It's, it's, we hear about her and we know that she is Moses's mom, but we don't hear her name. And there's a transition that all moms go through where we are no longer our given birth name, but we are mom on repeat. And for some moms, they have a really hard transition into that identity, especially if you're transitioning from working and you've been very career driven and then you're a stay at home mom, or maybe you just everything, your role, you're seeing everything through a new lens. Even the Bible, as you open the Bible, when you become a mom, you're reading it through a completely new lens. So here she is. She's not even named. She doesn't have necessarily an identity. And what we know is that um, she's a woman of faith. And, And that is her identity. So for us, learning that our identity is in Christ and we have the role of being mothers. It doesn't quite shake our foundation as much when we are able to put it into that perspective. So I, Jacobed's one, Hagar's one. Is there, I felt I've, I'm in love with all of these women so much. Um, Hagar, I mean, just running off to the desert. How often do we do that? And then we think like we're running away from God and God's like, here is a well of living water at your feet. 
how beautiful is that? Um, Bathsheba could not have gone. She was the hardest to write about because her story is so heartbreakingly hard. She was so hard. And I am so grateful for the, for all of the time that I spent with her studying her and learning about her. Um, and, and there's not much in the Bible. It's all about David right there. <laughs> so much about David, but then you go into just, uh, the, she crowned her son as King. Like she, she was able to sit by his right hand. The role that she played in her son's life is incredible. He pulled up a chair next to her when he is the King of, uh, just, he he held space for that role for her. And that alone tells me that she had to have been a pretty incredible mother and a woman of faith. Well, those are such great teasers. Uh, get the book, Her Children Arise. There's so much more, even in reading how you unpacked about Mary, the mother of Jesus, and really very thought-provoking. And I found this book very encouraging, very inspiring, very uplifting. And that is something that we need more of in the world. Casey, how can our listeners find you and connect with what you're doing? Um, they can definitely go to my website and subscribe at www.caseyhilty.com. That's the best way to have access to my free resources. And I also send out free digital downloads of my artwork periodically. And also I'm on Instagram at Casey Hilty, C-A-S-E-Y-H-I-L-T-Y and Facebook at Casey Hilty One. Well, thanks so much, Casey, for joining us. Thank you for the work that you've put into blessing us with Her Children Arise. And I hope that every listener out there gets the book and does these exercises, these faith at home exercises with their kids. Thanks so much for joining us and God bless you. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I hope that you are as inspired and uplifted and encouraged as I am in our conversation with Casey. If you've been listening to this show for any period of time, you know full well by now, I'm a nurse. I'm a nurse practitioner. I keep it real. I talk about those uncomfortable things. And I was joking with Casey as I've shared in my book that my family has said that my spiritual gift is... <clears throat> emotional enemas. Oh yes, you heard that right. I just went there. These are therapeutic cleansing conversations that no one really wants, but are necessary and you feel better afterwards. I know. Isn't that great? I said, why can't I be Annie F. Downs and be the that sounds fun girl, <laughs> but this is my uh, spiritual gifting. But I'm so grateful for people like Casey who remind us that there are big problems and there are little problems. There are struggles that we have that are mountains in our way, and there's just the everyday annoyances and both are important. So I wanted to have this conversation keys time with you together where we explore health impacts and home strategies by reading to you a devotional out of my book, Behind Closed Doors. I too was fascinated by the life of Hagar. And one of the devotionals I wrote in one of the chapters is about Hagar, and I'm going to read it to you. In a Bible story not often told, we find an Egyptian slave woman named Hagar. She was alone, broken, insignificant, and rejected. 
In an extraordinary moment in scripture, an angel encounters Hagar and calls her by her name, something her mistress had refused to do, and told Hagar the Lord heard her affliction. And in response, Hagar calls God by the name El Roy, meaning the God who sees me. God told her to return and submit to her mistress. Now that may seem unbelievable to us, but her circumstances would not change. But the strength and the perspective with which she faced them would be different. And actually in her book, Casey goes on to tell a little more of the end of the story and what happened with Hagar because she stayed. Now, when we feel vulnerable and alone, we can find hope and comfort in the God who sees me. Every character in Hagar's story experienced their own fears, doubts, insecurities, and frankly, injustices along a broken road, lost like sheep. The original Hebrew word roi means shepherd, seeing, looking, or gazing. And we see in the New Testament many times where our good shepherd sees people. If you do a study on this and you go through and look at the number of times it says in scripture, Jesus turned and looked at her. Jesus turned and looked. Jesus looked at that person he was talking to. So friend, I want to ask you today, are you harassed and helpless? Are you distressed and dispirited? Do you feel alone in your struggles as if no one sees you? You might feel alone, but God will never leave you or forsake you. I encourage you to pour out your heart to Elroy, the God who sees you, even in this moment. Take comfort in the fact your good shepherd is always looking for you and calling you by name. And even when it feels like it, you are never alone. Here are your conversation keys. I want you to think for a minute in the conversations you've had with your team, what do you think are the major points of tension or distress? And then ask your team their assessment of the same. What are the major points of tension we've had in our relationship? How can I meet you where you are in that moment? How can I make you feel like I see you and I see your struggle? And then parents, I want you to think, how can you season your conversation with grace and wisdom and understanding to help your child feel seen, heard, loved, and known? I'm going to close out with the prayer that I wrote with this devotional. This is from Psalm chapter 6. God, our souls are troubled. We are weary with argument and conversation, and our beds at night swim with the tears of our distress. We worry about our kids. We see their hurt. Our eyes waste away with grief as conflict makes us weary. We know you hear our voices lifted in desperate prayer. Give us faith in times of distress. We ask for mercy in the midst of pain. Bring healing where there is conflict. Pour over us your unfailing love. We know you accept our prayer. Walk with our children, putting people in their path daily who will speak encouragement and the words of life delivered straight from your heart to theirs with the confident affirmation, they are never alone. Amen. We'll see you next time, friends. 
Thanks for tuning in to the Dr. Nurse Mama podcast, serving as your expert guide on the side to engage, equip, encourage, and empower you to navigate life's toughest issues with your teens. Tune in next week as we explore faith-based health impacts and home strategies to create a safe space in an unsafe world. Together, we'll find hope for healthy relationships. Connect with us online at drnursemama.com or on Facebook and Instagram at Dr. Nurse Mama. We'll see you here next week on American Family Radio.